This is Elected Women Across America, a podcast brought to you by the National Foundation for Women Legislators. I'm Brenna Kihu-Skelly. We're bringing you stories from the elected women that shape our organization on issues that shape them and the districts they serve. In today's episode, the spotlight is on elected women and their stories, why they ran and what drives them. We'll hear from Commissioner Vivian Thomas of Henry County in Georgia about her life and what propelled her to run for public office. I had the chance to meet Commissioner Vivian Thomas at NFWL's 2023 annual conference this past November and hear about the changes she has been making in her community. In 2018, Commissioner Thomas was elected to the District 4 seat of Henry County Board of Commissioners, but she has been a pillar of service in her community for decades before her official career in government. As a former business owner and entrepreneur, Commissioner Thomas has dedicated herself to the use of her knowledge in community and business to strengthen Henry County's industries and infrastructures, as well as educational systems. Thank you so much, Commissioner Thomas, for joining us here on our podcast, Elected Women Across America. We are so grateful to have you here in Orlando for our conference and with us today recording. So thanks for for taking the time to join us. And thank you so much for having me. I'm excited about this conversation. What we want to jump into is really just get to know you and and what inspired you to run for office uh, in the first place. Now, you know, that's a loaded question. I know, right? It's (laughs) just a simple one. When I decided to run for county commissioner, it came because my present commissioner did not acknowledge me. I mm-hmm. wanted to really talk to him about some concerns I had. And mm-hmm. I tried two times. I didn't just do it one time. Mm-hmm. And on the third time, when he just kind of pushed me away without answers, I decided I just need to take your job. And so I did. <laughs> I love that. I, that's really what happened. That's, <laughs> I mean, I think that's amazing. And I, I just love that story, too. Uh, when you ran for the first time, did you win or did you have to try a few times? No, I won. Oh, good for you. Because All right. I won to win. <laughs> and there were five different people running against me. Oh, wow. Uh, and I was told that you would definitely be in a runoff. I said, I don't have time for a runoff. Mm-hmm. So I ran my campaign. Wow to win. Mm -hmm. And I ran it with a purpose. Now, mind you, I have been in this arena for 20 years as an advocate, community leader, part of different social committees. Mm -hmm. I've been down to the Capitol advocating for different budgets and what have you. So I was not new to politics, but I never actually had the political seat. Right. So I think that was part of the advantage that I had, that I knew the language, I knew the arenas, I knew what had to be done. Mm -hmm. And how long have you been in office? This is my fifth year. Oh, nice. Well, congratulations. That's very exciting. And what does a day in your life look like? You know, we work with so many different locally elected women and state elected women in every state is different and every county is different. And so it's fun to hear, you know, do you have a full-time job and this is your uh, side job? Is it a full-time position? How does, how does it break down for you? What does it look like uh, serving your community? How do you make your days work? Oh my goodness. <laughs> my day is very complicated. I bet. <laughs> it's very complicated. The positions in Henry County, Georgia, and most commissioners in Georgia are quote unquote considered part-time. Mm-hmm. But but I'm sure they're full time. Um, my sometimes my phone starts to ring at seven o'clock in the morning, so I would get complaints from the dog not being on the leash to the pothole that's in the street, the budget that's incomplete, yeah. the developer that wants to develop, 
the hundred acres over here, what is it for? The bulldozer that, that's in the, another yard. Oh I've gotten gosh. the calls about the dump truck that started out at 4 a.m. in the morning, oh disturbed the sleep, okay? Yep. So my day is filled with a lot of tasks mm-hmm. as well. And it is for some reason, and I understand why, citizens say, well, you work for me, and they expect me to give them answers in some form or fashion. Mm-hmm. And I find a way to work with my citizens. I'm very, very involved in what I do with my communities. I have my town hall meetings. I put out newsletters. I am very vivid on social media mm-hmm. uh, and what I put out information so they can follow me and know what's going on. I have virtual meetings. I have a day set aside with my executive assistant. She can book me with anybody. Yeah, That can be the person complaining about trash to the developer who needs to talk to me about 100 acres of land. Wow, yeah. She has a day that she can just book me up back to back. And I will have 10 meetings or 12 meetings in that one day. Wow. So that citizens can see me, can touch me. And these are virtual meetings because I can get so much more done that way. Yeah. So that's a typical day for me. Wow. To have all these different things happening just as a county commissioner. Wow. And so you have all those kind of requests coming at you from different angles and you just try and I'm, I'm assuming like whack-a-mole, just kind of knock them down as you can and <laughs> solve the problems you can and do whatever. I do. I have two assistants that really work with me oh, and there great. are certain things I have to filter out. And mm-hmm. say, I need you guys to handle this for me. So I may not touch the, the barking dog, right. <laughs> but my assistant will call us on behalf of Commissioner Thomas. We're looking at such and such and so. I may not touch the trash on the side of the road because I get that as well. Yep. But she will contact the code enforcement agency to see if there's something missing over there or do we need to make sure that that area need to be serviced or something of that nature. Mm-hmm. So those types of things are taken off my my docket to mm-hmm. give me more time to work with things that are a little bit more serious. Yeah. And there are times I do have to go work with my senior citizens because they want to see me. Yep. And they say, I want to see you. Yes, sir. Yep. I have met them on the sides of the road. I ride wow. with a chair in my car. <laughs> I have met with people on the pecan trees. I love that. You know, if it's necessary, because they want to talk to me and yep. know that I'm real. Yeah, no, that's, I think that's so important. And looking into 2024, what's your outlook for the year? What do you, what do you think will be the biggest issue on your plate for your community? The community is very concerned about transportation. Mm -hmm. We are a growing county Mm -hmm. and our infrastructure is behind, but the infrastructure is behind because prior planners thought by not investing in housing, investing in roads, they can slow down the growth. Right. They love the township. Right. Well, maybe it can't last forever. Right. It just doesn't. Yeah. And that was the mentality that if we don't make it convenient, people won't come. Mm-hmm. I can remember sitting in community meetings where those statements were made. Wow. We're not investing in this and we're not investing in that because we like it the way it is. Well, that has cost us 30 years later. Yeah. So now I have a community that's saying, we're tired of the traffic. Our roads are falling apart. We need someone to take care of our bridges. And we're doing what we can to try and eliminate or correct some of those bad decisions that were made. Yeah. So yeah. transportation is going to be a hot button issue coming in 2024. Yeah, that makes sense. I think that. I think you'll probably see that in a lot of communities. And <laughs> unfortunately, I think there's a lot of short-sightedness across the country sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> but that is what it is. But luckily, we, we do our best to 
rectify those mistakes of the past and hopefully find a better way forward. But speaking of the past, you know, one question we ask all our guests is what advice would you give to your younger self? To listen more. Mm-hmm. Um, I, just for a, a bit of information, I was in the seventh grade when integration took place. And to your listeners, I'm an African-American female. But I was in seventh grade. Oh, my God. And during that time period, we were tested to determine what classes we belong in. Mm-hmm. Average, basic, repeat, gifted. And at that time, I don't believe them, but they said I was the only black child in my area that tested for gifted. And I really didn't want it because that meant I had to leave my friends mm-hmm. and infiltrate a new system that didn't want me because I was going to infiltrate the last class they had to themselves, which were my white Americans. But I stayed because of a counselor said, Vivian, years from now, you will thank me for it. And years from now, I thank her for it. Yeah. Because it shaped and moved me for where I am now. I understand two cultures. I understand two different languages. Mm-hmm. I understand two different type of beings, basically, yeah. who had to learn to live together. And I think that prepared me more than my college degrees did. Wow. I think that prepared me more than my life experiences as an adult, that time period prepared me. And then when a lot of my friends went to historical black colleges, I went to Georgia State University at that time, which was not as diverse as it is now. Again, I said, Mom, what are we doing? Yeah, She said, come on, just stay here because they said you can go here. And I did qualify to go. It prepared me again for where I am. Wow. So I think I would have been a little bit more of a intense listener mm-hmm. as I was being shaped and molded yeah. for an upcoming position that I didn't expect. Yeah, Listening would have been one of the things I think I would have done better. Wow. What a life, though. I mean, but, one uh, of the first interviews that was done about me by the AJC, and I quoted and I said to them, my father, who's now passed, mm-hmm. When I came to Atlanta to go to college, he told me, he said, Vivian, he called me baby. He said, when you see that Henry County line, do not stop. Do not get candy. Do not go to the bathroom. Do not get gas. You make it through Henry County. Do you understand me? That was his stern instructions to me to come to Atlanta. He had got a middle of Maverick car. Wow. And that was my first little car. He said, do you understand me? I said, yes, sir. For years, I did not stop in Henry County. I did not buy gas. I did not use a bathroom in Henry County, nothing, because of the fear he had put in me. He feared the county because it was known to be super racist, okay? It was known to be a hub for KKK. Oh, my God. My father did not get to see this transition, In my mind, I wish I could tell him the county that you fear so much, your daughter co-managed now. Amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, that's incredible. I'm I'm really honored to be sitting with you here today. I'm like, no, thank you so much for for joining us and and really for for sharing that. That is just so powerful. And it's I think it's so just so important to have people like you in leadership positions across the country and really making that change. And I wish your father could see you today. <laughs> you know, I mean, just exactly that. That's amazing. I am my own philosophy, which I call my viviology. Oh, I like it's, that. <laughs> <laughs> my own viviology is 
when you take care of the lady of the house, she takes care of everything around her. Mm-hmm. When she's safe, when she can take care of her family, mm-hmm. she take care of schools, she go. She will work two jobs if necessary. She's a community person that volunteers. Mm-hmm. She will go to church. You won't have to worry about those students acting up because she's going to make sure John John and Marianne and Sue Ellen, whoever, mm-hmm. they will be in order. Mm-hmm. Because the one thing, we took care of the lady of the house. Yeah. So when organizations like this come and empower us to take care of the lady of the house, mm-hmm. it spreads. Yeah. And it takes care of so many other things. Crime goes down yeah because the lady of the house yeah it's taken care of i really like that that concept you know and i think i see it with our elected women i think you all are constantly the the change makers the ones that are working tirelessly on these issues that are so important they run for you know these reasons where there's something that's not getting done and they say i'm going to solve that problem and they're like the coalition builders always the ones that are finding the compromises in those you know, prickly civility situations. They're the ones that are able to build those bridges. It's always women. And I hear it time and time again. And then you come to these conferences and and you get to see these interactions between women across states and across party lines, which is sometimes hard, but I feel like everyone has these kind of shared experiences of being that woman that is managing all these different spinning plates and being the only person that can do it, it seems like, right? That's right. The one thing about us, when it comes to life, we don't care about party lines. Yeah. When it comes sure. down to blood, we don't care about party lines. Mm-hmm. When it comes down to taking care of children, women, we don't care about party lines. So there are certain things that we don't care about party lines. We know we have work to do. Yeah. So this, this safe place that has been created yeah. allows us to forget that. I have not asked one person since I've been here, what's your party? Yeah. We care less. Yeah. We've been talking about issues that we know we can have impact on. Yeah. So that's what this group does. When you have a national foundation of women legislator, we're not here to talk about party lines. Mm-hmm. We're here to talk about impact yeah. and empowering each other. This has been Elected Women Across America. Thanks for listening. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll continue to bring you more stories from the women who serve. Are you interested in sharing your story with us here at NFWL? Sign up today to record your podcast, share your passion, and get engaged in 2024.